Sorry, guys, I haven't sung in, <coughs> I haven't been singing in a while, and my voice is a little, a little weak. <laughs> I apologize. But the message that I have today, I was praying throughout the week, and I felt drawn to this story that we should discuss it. And then I was part of a conversation with some friends yesterday, and certain other things were highlighted. I, these are not associated at all, but certain things came out of that conversation. That I was like, gosh, I really think that might be what this is sort of about. So I kind of went back and redid a lot of this. So I hope, it, <laughs> I hope it makes sense. I hope it fits together. It does in my brain. But uh, the story we're going to be looking at today is in Mark 10. It's Mark 10, 46 through 52, and it's the story of a Jesus healing a blind man named Bartimaeus. And the interaction they have, I think it's a very short story, and we're going to read the whole thing. But it's a short story about faith. It can say a lot to us about our faith, what we're doing, who we are, who Jesus is, how that works, why that matters, just all sorts of things you can get out of this. And so I'm going to go through a lot of them, but I'm sure there's plenty more. But the main thing you need to take away from this is that Jesus can give you sight. Not just in the physical world, that too, but also sight to see how he sees the world. Sight to open our eyes to the truth, the truth which is hard to find these days, the truth. Jesus can open our eyes to that. And um, he asks Bartimaeus in the middle of this a question, and that's the title of this message. He says to him, what do you want me to do? And I think Jesus is saying this to us. What do you want me to do? I think about who's saying that to you right now. Like, what do you want me to do? But let's get into this a little bit. So Jesus can do many things. There's many things only Jesus can do. Okay, Jesus is God. We've talked about this last couple weeks a lot, about salvation comes only through Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has the keys over sin and death, and he can... Give us life eternal. We can resurrect with him if we receive his salvation he offers. We've covered this pretty extensively the last couple weeks. And you need to know this. It's very important that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the King of the world. Nobody else. Jesus is very important. And so salvation is the biggest thing that Jesus can offer us. And the Son of Man comes. In Luke 19, 10, he says, I came to seek and save the lost. This is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm doing. You and I are included in that. So that's good. And he's coming to seek and save us. But there's plenty of other things, I think, as well that flow out of that. Eternity, obviously, is the biggest thing. And salvation and all this is the biggest thing. But our, as Asaf explained last week, when we orient our lives with God first, the rest of everything flows out of that. When we try to fix everything by adding a little Jesus dust to everything, nothing works. And then we get mad about it with God all the time. And he's like, that just ain't, that's, not, that's not what we're doing, you know. And so... What I want you to start be thinking about in, in this life, so like in, in, when Jesus is walking around, in, you can see this in Luke 7, he's walking around and he's doing amazing things. He's, and John the Baptist has come before Jesus to tell people, hey, the king is coming, repent and get ready, the king is coming. And then now Jesus is here and John the Baptist is like, they're like, that might be him. This guy, this might be him. So they send some guys to find, like, find out if that's the guy. Very practical kind of question. And they say to him, are you the guy or are we waiting on someone else? Like, no offense or anything. You know, just let's talk it straight, you know. 
Luke 7:27. This is it. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits. All these things are real, and all these things are important. He, he says diseases, sicknesses, evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And so we replied to the messengers, those guys that came saying, are you the guy or is there somebody else we're looking for? He says, go back and report to John what, what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the, and the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now, this is intense stuff. This is a man, a, Jesus is God, as a man, walking around doing Things only God can do. And people are watching that happen. And it's intense. And to the people who are getting like, I can't walk. And now this guy comes and talks to me and touches me and prays for me or whatever he does. It doesn't give you all the details. Now I can walk again. Don't you think that would matter? (laughs) Don't you think you would notice? Don't you think you would care? You know, he's giving sight to people who are blind. He's doing all of these great things. These are the kinds of things that God does. Okay? This is the kind of stuff that... Jesus can do. So when he says to you, what do you want me to do? The list is pretty broad. You know, what, you need to be thinking, what do you need from Jesus here, guys? You know, in the life that we've talked about, a life oriented towards him, a life given to him, we still have to live it. There's still pain and sickness and dying in our world. There's still all of these things. We still struggle with all sorts of things, finances and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't make it go away. We just now have God with us to go through it. So this is a story about faith. In Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, we see this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is vis- what was visible. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's one through three, and then I skipped to six because it gave a couple of examples in the middle. And it kind of, so I want to be. I don't want to be confusing. If you were reading along in your Bible, you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? It's, <laughs> he gives some examples, and then I go to the bottom where he finishes it off. So six is, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We're going to talk about rewarding those who earnestly seek him here. Um, one little piece in this. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. What that's saying there, guys... Um, is that God didn't just take a bunch of dirt and jam it together and make the earth and then take some of that dirt and jam it together and breathe on it and make us, which is kind of how the story, like even before that, God made all the dirt or all the anything. Like there wasn't anything, just God, and then God made things. That's a big deal because God just isn't um, the same as the rest of us. God is the only uncreated one. Okay, that's kind of a big deal. But let's get into this story here. So now we have that God, that God who made everything, is now come into everything and living in the body of a man, Jesus, our Savior, and walking around doing stuff. And the most important thing he is going to do in his life is to give up his life freely for the sake of our sins. And then through doing that, 
take from the devil the keys of sin and death and give to and make us right with God and take and take away any claim the devil has over our lives by his sinless death on the cross, which is why we have this. In the, and then three days later, raises from the dead to prove it. He's like, you ain't got nothing on me or any of the people that follow me anymore. But he hadn't done that yet in this story. He's on his way. And he's literally on his way to Jerusalem to, like we just said, he go, he's going into Jerusalem to do a few things, have the Passover with his disciples, and then he knows he's going to encounter this cross and this gr- excruciating death and this whole thing. But that it, through that, through the joy set before him, he's going to overcome everything. He's busy, all right? That's what I'm trying to say. He's got something. He's doing something. This is the most important event in human history he's on his way to do, all right? So he's in Jericho, which is a town which you remember got destroyed earlier in the Bible. People built another one near there. <laughs> That's the one he's talking about, you know? And so people still live there. It's an old city, and people live there. And there's a guy there named Bartimaeus who's blind. And then we're going to just read this story, and then we're going to go back through it. So in Mark 10, 46 through 52, Jesus is in Jericho, and he's heading towards Jerusalem to take care of business on an epic level, okay? Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, they're on their way, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, or Timaeus, whatever, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, said, call him. So they called the blind man, hey, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. This is it right here now. 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. 52. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, I think that this story, and in my life, this story has come up over and over again. There's so many things you could pull out of this. I wrote down a handful of things that I think stuck out to me right now, and there's plenty, plenty more. I even read some stuff other people have. I was like, man, that's really interesting and good, you know, but we're going to s- stick with this for today. But this story is here. Mark 10, 46 through 52. This is the word of God, and he will continually speak to you many things you just read it <laughs> number one this is a man um and i want you to be able to relate all right so in as i'm laying this out right now you know you go like well i could relate to jesus i could relate to his followers i could relate. you know today we're going to relate to the blind guy all right so we're like him we're like blind bart because in a sense especially if you start with the epic level of salvation for all of sin and fall short of the glory of god this whole bit you know none of us we're all in the same boat here we're all desperate and blind. We don't have any. We can't do anything about it. Only Jesus can. So that's 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 a big piece of this whole thing. So we're all in this boat together. But um, you need to be thinking about your life and all this sort of thing. This guy knows he has a problem. All right, he can't see. It's not his fault. We don't even know why it happened. He's just he can't see. All right, and because of that, he can't hide it. Like in our culture now, we like to hide all our problems. Everybody wants to come to church, pretend like man, we're great. Meanwhile, you know. And the funny thing is we think we're fooling each other. <laughs> no, no one's fooling anybody, you know. 
our, li- our world is messed up. Our lives are messed up. You know, not all of our lives are all the time messed up. But my point is, it helps to be real about it. This guy is in a situation where he has to be. Because in his situation, in his culture, he can't, he doesn't, he can't have a meaningful employment. His job is literally to beg for other people to have money. And from what I was reading, because this guy, like, you could see even in that other story we read, Jesus healed a lot of people, all right, you know, and not very many of them actually get named. There's, like, very small list of people who get named. Here's one of them, you know. Some of that might be because they're like, ah, eh, it's a lot of, guys. you know, it's a lot of people, so a lot of people, you know. But it also is that this guy might be, like, kind of well off in his community, not maybe, like, rich or anything, but people knew who this guy was, you know. So I'm not saying he's, he's a well-known person, probably. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, Bartimaeus. Like, they point that the guy knows his name when he writes the thing down, you know. And so this guy, he can't hide his, his problem. And, in fact, he's so consumed by it, not by himself necessarily, but he's completely defined by it. And you see that when you read into this thing. When they were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus. Now, like... <laughs> How many of us want whatever that thing is to be the first thing people say about us? They're like, and as they were leaving the city, an angry man, Bob, or whatever, you know, or a, you know, cruel person, or a scared person, or whatever, you know, or an, an addicted person, you know, a drug addict, da-da-da, you know. Like, that is literally how everybody sees us, is we are defined by this problem, you know what I mean? But this guy's in a. This guy, I think, is um, in the right headspace at least because he knows this and he can't hide it. And he's not trying to. He's not trying to run from it. He's trying to deal with it the only way he can. I can have a job, but I can beg for money, and people will give me money. And this is how I can live. This is the only way I can live. It's demeaning. People look down on me. Some people in my culture will think that I'm blind because I did something wrong, which may not even be true at all. It probably isn't. Or I'm blind because. My parents did something wrong and God has cursed me or something, which, again, Jesus deals with in other places. Isn't necess- this is not the case, guys. I'm he- here because God wants to show his glory like another place. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm here with a problem that I can't run from. Other people define me by it, and I'm living in that, and I'm trying my best to deal with it. I'm not giving up. There's just not a lot of options, okay? Well, hold on. I heard Jesus is here. Well, who is Jesus? Jesus is that guy, the Messiah, is healing people, healing blind people. Oh, something. this is a little bit of different information. I think I'm going to take advantage of this. So he calls out to Jesus. Now, this is the right thing to do when we are in this situation. Call out to Jesus. But I would suspect, and I'm not going to put this on anyone, but I'm thinking that most of us don't go there that often. And when I mean call out to Jesus... We might pray a little, you know, like, oh, yeah, God, please help me with this or whatever it is, you know. Calling out is something else because he does two things here. One, he calls him son of David, which is important. They leave that in there because what he's saying is, I know who you are. Have you noticed how, like, throughout the Bible, if you read the Gospels, you read the book of Acts, you have Jesus, you have his followers. There's people who catch on to what's up, and then there's people who don't. And not all the people who catch on to what, what's up like it. Like, some people, try, like, they want to kill them and stuff and bad things. But some people are also, like, demon-possessed, and they still catch on to what's up. They're like, whoa, 
this Jesus, are you here to kill me? You know, because I'm de- you know I'm a demon. This kind of thing. So it's not like a, a secret. You know, this guy knows what's up. He's saying, "Son of David." This is a messianic title. He's saying, "I know who you are, and I know you're the only person who can help me." So I'm calling out to you. Okay. So this is what happens. He calls out to Jesus. This is right. So he knows he has a problem. He knows who can help him, and he calls out to Jesus. This is the first thing we have to get over. It's good and right and proper for us to call out to Jesus in our own lives and for our own families and for everything. And corporately as a church, we need to be calling out to Jesus. We can't do it, okay? We don't need to pretend like we can. We're like him. We can't do it. For him, it's a little more easy in this sense because it's like I can't pretend that I can do it. We can pretend like we can do it and take nice Facebook photos, and then we're meanwhile getting a divorce. You see what I'm saying? And I'm not saying, like, don't, don't, I'm not getting down on getting on people that were struggling with the marriage and anything like that. I'm just saying we pretend like we're fine. And we do this at church a lot. I don't get why. All right, so let's try to stop. You know what I mean? Like, Pastor Jeff has been saying for, I don't know, 14 years, you're going to go to a bar and tell everybody, like, your real life and then come to church and pretend like something's, like, everything's fine? Like, what are we talking about? We're the only people that have their true answer, the true medicine that Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. We're the only people that have that, and we're going to come here and pretend like we don't need it, and then we're not going to even give it to anybody else. Like, it's ridiculous. We have to stop doing this. You have to be willing to call it to Jesus. And we're not because look what happens. People tell him to stop. Please don't do that. You make me uncomfortable when you get serious about this Jesus stuff. It's fine for you to, you know, if you want, if that makes you feel better, I'm fine with it. Don't put that on me. And don't get, like, don't get, this is weird. You make me uncomfortable. Please stop. Okay? When you really see where you are and you really see what's going on and you really see how you can't do anything about it, you call out to Jesus and you don't care what they have to say. Like, what are you going to do? Heal my eyes? Like, no, I think he can. I'm going to call him. And here's the thing. The guy doesn't stop. He gets louder. And guess who does stop? Jesus. Jesus stops because he goes, hey, somebody gets what's going on. And he stops and says, tell him to come to me. Everybody else goes, okay. You know, (laughs) hey, look, he's calling you. And he goes up to him. So the man, when they tell him, He's calling you. Have you ever been desperate before? And you heard God, you heard somebody say, he's calling you. Look at this response here. He throws off his cloak. Again, this is a short story, guys. You know, and the Bible can be, you know, especially if you read the Old Testament, you can read like two pages and that was 30 minutes. And then you read a paragraph and it's like, yeah, and then two more kings came and died and whatever, you know, and you're like, that was like 80 years, you know. So they're, they're judicious about what they're writing here, and every detail is left in there on purpose. Um, not always to carry deeper meaning, but it's left in there on purpose, okay? Like some of the Gospels were written to a primarily Jewish audience, so they leave in Jewish things, and then other ones, they kind of explain what those mean. You see what I'm saying? So smart people wrote this stuff. This is not just like a book we found somewhere. <laughs> um, he throws off his cloak... And runs to Jesus. This cloak thing is important. This cloak is his. So this guy begs for money, all right? The way this works is he has a cloak that protects him from the rain or the weather. This is like his 
kind of like his house, maybe. We don't know if he has a house, but this could be, if he's poor, this could be literally where he lives. He lives by the side of the road like a homeless person begging for money, and his cloak is like everything he's got. But also the idea is like they lay the cloak out in front, and that's where you would throw money to them. So he's leaving all of this behind. He's saying, I'm doing everything I can. There's nothing wrong with this. And even the law of Moses has like, sp- like takes care of these people. You see what I'm saying? So we're not, ne- we're not talking about neglect. We're not talking about this guy's not, he's not in a bad place in the sense of like he's done something and he deserves this. He's doing the best with what he's got. But when he hears that Jesus is calling him, he throws it down and runs to him. And this, again, is the right response because I suspect, again, like most of us, probably wouldn't even be willing to call because we'd be embarrassed. Or maybe we wouldn't be willing to call because we don't want to make, we don't want to bother him. He's obviously busy. He's obviously doing important things. There's a lot of important people around him. I'm not going to bother him with my problems. I'll just suffer over here quietly. Meanwhile, he's like, I'm here to seek and save the lost. Like, what? Is, of course, you know, but he's walking by. And then, like, okay, well, if I do call him, and other people are like, well, they make fun of me. And I'm like, and you can't push through that. You know, then here we go. Okay, he's calling me. Let me gather up all my junk, and I'll go run over there with it. Okay? I'm, not, uh, I'm just trying to give you pictures of what we end up doing with God so much. First off, we don't ask. Second off, when we do ask, we chicken out. And third off, when we come here, we're like, well, let me make sure I got my money. If this doesn't work, I got to go buy a hamburger or something and get on with my life. He doesn't take that chance. He leaves it. Probably leaves it and other people took it. Probably leaves it and doesn't have a second, he doesn't have a backup plan. His, I'm going to Jesus, that's all I got. If this doesn't work, it doesn't work, okay? This is where it talks about the faith thing. I read that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So he goes over to him and then, Kayla, why don't you come up here and be like, I like sweet nothings in the background, that's what we call we call that around here. Um, Jesus stops. He throws off his cloak and runs to him. And this is what Jesus says to him. He gets to face to face with God. And God says, what do you want me to do? Now, have you ever th- thought how you would answer that question? God said to you, like, what, what do you want me to do? Like I said, these things are written on, in, on purpose. If you look back in your Bible, I didn't write, I don't have the note on this, but if you look back just the top of where you are right now, you'll see the story, two of his disciples, they come up to Jesus and say, hey, we got promise you'll do something for us. What does he say to those guys? Does anyone see that? He says, what do you want me to do? And then they go into this whole plan of like, hey, you know, we're, you're important. We want to be important too. Let us sit on your right and your left side. And they go into this whole thing. He's like, you don't even know what you're, he says, you don't even know what you're talking about. You know, and he goes into either saying like, you know, you know, as the king of the universe, I, my, this is my father's place to put People on my right and left side, like you're asking for, I don't even, it's not even up to me to do that, you know. <laughs> or he's saying, you know, when, I, when I'm coronated as king of the universe, it's on a cross and there's two other people that are going to be beside me and it's not, it's not going to be you guys, you know. 
But he says, you don't even know what you're talking about. He's not like, you know, he's like, you just don't know what you're talking about. But he doesn't give them what they want. He does come in. He's like, you are going to suffer the way I, you know, you are my, like your real followers here. And you actually find out James is the first martyr, I believe. It's like an Acts 10 something. I don't know. Anyway. Come on, Kevin. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't beat him up. But he just says, you don't even know what you're talking about. So when it comes to the blind guy, he's like, hey, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't say back to him after he responds, you don't know what you're talking about. This guy does know what he's talking about. But he might have heard about Jesus healing people. See, like, this is an interesting thing. You know, the last barrier that I think we might have to get over. So many of us, when we finally get there, we finally, we got through all that other stuff. I called out, I called out to him. He's answered me, he's called me. And I'm here and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And then we want to boss him around and tell him what to do. You see, this guy doesn't do that. He says, I want to see. Okay? I want to see. He could have said, I heard you healed this other guy by spitting on the ground and making mud and rubbing it in his eyes and telling him, you know, I want the mud thing. Do the mud thing. I want you to heal me in this way that I understand. I want you to heal me in a way that I'm comfortable with. I want you to do, in a sense, I want you to do what I want you to do. If you say something like that, he might go, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know who you're talking to here, you know. This guy comes and says, I want to see. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Literally, he says, your faith has healed you. Your confidence in what you do not see has allowed you to see. If you look back in like 2 Kings, there's a story where Elisha they're like, the, I don't want, there's a lot of details. The point is, there's a foreign king who has a guy, he's like, this guy's got leprosy, he needs to get healed. He needs to get healed. And then this, this servant girl is like, hey, there's a prophet in the country I'm from that can heal people. And so the guy's like, great. So he sends this, this sick guy to the king of, you know, Israel. He's like, hey, you know, heal this guy. And the king's like, what, am I, what? <laughs> what, do you want, what do you want me to do? You know, I can't heal people. And then Elisha, the prophet, comes. And he's like, oh, come on, man. You got God. I mean, like, I'll, th- I'll take care of it, you know. So he goes out to meet with this guy. The guy's named Naaman. And he says, okay, go wash sometimes, seven times, I think, in the Jordan River. And you'll be healed. And listen to this. So this guy's suffering. This guy's messed up. This guy's, he can't hide from it either. This is a big deal. Big deal for his life, big deal for his family, big deal for everything. And he's got the answer from God. You know, on, on God's behalf, God's using the prophet. The prophet says to him, go wash seven times in the river and you'll be well. You think, great. Awesome end of the story. And he left praising God. But no. Second Kings 5, 11 through 12. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought... He would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. 
That's a lot of I thought in there. How much do we do that? Don't get on this guy. Look at your own life. You go, I thought God would do it this for me, this way. I thought he would just come out and wave his hand over it and make all this stuff go away. He's telling me to go wash in the river, and he goes, look, aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, much better than all these? We got better Israels. We got better rivers where I came from. We got to go wash in this river, you know? He's mad. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went away in a rage, a rage. Well, here's how the story goes. His, his guys with him are like, you know, dude, like, if he told you to, like, go to the highest mountain and bring back the eagle egg or whatever this grand, if he told you to do something grand, you would have gone off and did it, you know. If he told you to go wash in a river, like, maybe try. Maybe it's stupid to you, but maybe you should try, you know. Maybe it doesn't make any sense to oh, this thing you've made up, but maybe you should try. And then he's like, you know, you're actually right. And it does, and it does get healed. And he comes back and he's like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I was wrong. This guy, Bartimaeus, gets healed by Jesus. It's mercy. It's mercy. And he follows, it says he follows him down the road. And that's the last we hear of this man. He probably watched from a distance as Jesus entered or maybe he was in the crowd as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, and he's like, Hosanna, yeah, like this, I can tell you about this guy. He's like, you know, yeah. And then he watches over the next few days as Jesus gets arrested and beaten and crucified, which is a horrible way to die for bad people. And he's like, what is happening right now? This is the guy that healed my eyes, you know. I don't even understand what's, you know. And he goes on in his life. This man died eventually. And I'll tell you what I can be certain. I can be certain of the fact this man died eventually. But I can tell you I'm almost 100% certain. This isn't, like, you don't read a story like this and go, and he lived happily ever after in some sort of make-believe thing. These are, in one sense, characters in a story. But they're, in another sense, real people. This book is historical. This man had a life. Jesus healed his eyes. Like I say, Jesus offers us salvation for all eternity. It's the most important thing. And as we orient our life to that, the rest starts to flow out of it. But you're going to encounter things. I promise you this guy got sick again. Okay? I promise you that. I promise you he had other difficulties. I promise you, if you look at the other people that get healed, they're really pumped about who Jesus is. And then other people are like, not happy about it. Look, you look at this other guy who gets healed who's blind, and they're like, and their parents are like, when they go to the Pharisees, because they want to get something on Jesus, you know, they're like, did he, what, what did he do? What, and they're like, look, I don't even want to get involved. Ask him. He's the one who's the God, you know, the thing with the what, you know, I'm not going to even get involved. So just because he gets healed, not happily ever after. And what I mean happily ever after, this man is joyfully ever after, I think. You know, this fruit of the Spirit ever after. But he's encountering a real life. Happiness isn't a fruit of the Spirit, okay? We've elevated it to this weird place. Jesus says when we follow him, we're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I've overcome it. My goodness. Therefore, this is Hebrews 12. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off. Like this cloak, let us throw off everything 
that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now look, guys. I went through a lot of barriers, and I probably went through them too fast, and I probably didn't even explain really well I was, as I was going through this. I was like, I could have written this better to make it make more sense. Please don't get hung up on my inability. What God is offering, Jesus is walking by. Jesus is about his Father's business. Jesus is doing things. But when we call out to him, he stops. I'm so certain of this. And I was going to share a testimony from my life, but we'll just save it for another time because it just doesn't matter. and I don't want to get in the way. But I will tell you, I'm so certain of this. And I'm so certain that for me, what was stopping this whole thing was just like Naaman. I thought he was going to do what I wanted this way. And since he told me some other way, that's obviously not God. And when I finally succumbed to what God wants to do, he's like, I've been here the whole time. So, Father, I pray that you would pour out your healing in our hearts. And, Lord, we surrender to you as the king of the universe, Lord. We're not going to tell you what to do. We don't even know what that is. But Lord, let us be a people who call out to you. Who call out to you, the rightful ruler. We call out to you as individuals. We will call out to you as a group. And we will call out to you knowing you are the author and perfecter of our faith. You're the only one who can do anything. And Lord, we believe but help our unbelief. In your name we pray. Amen.